Hello, hello. You're listening to Nick and my colleague Helena. And we both work here at the Emma's Trust, a charity for people affected by Emma's in the UK. And we are here to help you make sense of Emma's. Yeah, and you're you're listening to our podcast, Multiple Sclerosis, Breaking It Down. Um, this will be our last podcast of the year of 2023, but don't worry, you can't get rid of us that easily. We will be back again in January 2024, and we've got lots of new and exciting topics to, to look at for the next year too. But before we get in all excited about next year, uh, we're going to get back back on this episode. And uh, we would like to end this year uh, with an episode about what you, the MS community, have been asking us here at the MS Trust this year. Uh, so this will be from the MS Trust helpline, uh, who answers inquiries via phone, email, and all our social media channels. And even good old uh, fashioned snail mail. I think we do sometimes get the old things drop through the letterbox. <laughs> Amazing, yeah. And what is the helpline at the MS Trust? It's a free confidential helpline for anyone affected by MS that aims to equip you with the information that you need to better understand and manage your life with multiple sclerosis. We can't tell you what to do, but we can find the information to help you understand your situation and your options. This year has been really busy for the helpline. And in fact, uh, 2023 is by far the busiest year that the helpline has had. Now look, you know, as we often say, Helena, don't we, we know that NHS waiting times are long. People are struggling to, to get to appointments. People are waiting a long time to see the different healthcare professionals that they're involved with. And we know that lots of you have been reaching out to, to us at the MS Trust, to the helpline, with some of those questions that maybe you, you might want to ask your healthcare professional. But unfortunately, due to the current situation, it's it's been difficult to do so. Mm. And we also noticed that we've had an awful lot of uh, people following us on social media. Uh, and please, if you're out there and you're not already following us, do come and find us. Uh, we post daily about MS symptoms and how to deal with them, personal stories from people affected by MS and expert advice, and, and you know, like this podcast. Um, and we have a very active Facebook group as well, where the helpline also answers questions in, and we'll pop links to all of these things uh, in the show notes. So as these questions come in to our helpline, whether that's on the phone, via email, via traditional mail or, or social media, um, the helpline team do gather stats um, for their analysis so they can see sort of what people are asking about each month. Um, so that helps us in a number of ways. So that helps us to, to A, to create content on our website, on social media, um, to, to sort of direct people to that information. If we know that, for example, one month, lots of people have been asking about MRI scans, we might point them to our MRI pages online. Um, and it also helps us to kind of keep track of those trends and those topics that we see frequently coming up again and again. So we can see actually the MS community is, is really wanting to know more about, you know, for example, something like pain in a particular time of year. Um, so, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk to Corinne from the helpline team and she's going to talk to us about the 10 most asked about topics from the MS community. I'm really looking forward to this. It will be very interesting to hear. So without any further ado, let's listen to what Corinne and Nick spoke about. Hey there, welcome back. We're joined now by Corinne from our helpline team at the MS Trust. Hi Corinne. Hi Nick, how are you? You okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm all okay. What about yourself? Yeah, all good. Yeah, happy to be here today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. So today we're, we're going to kind of look at what people have been calling you about, uh, yourself yeah. and the team throughout the year. What are some of the kind of the, the the most common topics? What are people wanting to know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, what kind of sort of information you might have been giving them as well. So if people are listening to this and think, oh, actually, I wanted to know a little bit more about fatigue, for example, yeah. as the symptom, yeah. they might be able to go away with some useful information too from this yeah. one. Yeah, of course. Amazing. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so 
I think it's so we, we had some notes, didn't we, Corey? So I was just yeah, looking yeah. to see what's what what was first up. So yeah. we can see that lots of people have been calling, sort of asking yourselves, look, I've got these symptoms. Are they MS? Is yeah. that would you say that's a common one that you get? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's um it's one of those things that I think we all know our own bodies and we know when something's not right. So when something's happening, obviously it's concerning and you're thinking, well, this isn't right. Um, and it's it, that whole issue of what's causing it, really. What's the root cause of actually causing this? And what can be a little bit tricky about MS is it's not, it, it's not diagnosed by a blood test. So, you know, it's got to be, every area has to be looked at. Um, what people might find is when they originally first go off, first off go to their GP, the, the, their GP might take some blood for testing. Now, the reason they might do that is to rule out other symptoms, okay? Um, rule out other, other, um, ish, other health conditions, uh, vitamin deficiencies, for example. Um, sometimes it might even be diabetes or other issues, low vitamin D, anemia. Um, anem if you're anemic, that can all contribute to fatigue as well. Uh, so, yeah, so we hear it a lot about what's causing these symptoms, what's going on, you know, why, have, why is this happening? Um, and on our website, there's a page that we use a lot called Worried I Have MS. So we always recommend to people to have a little read through that. And often that's where they found our number because they've read through that page and they've thought, hmm, okay, yeah, this is what's going on. Uh, I need to look at this. Um, and, you know, and this, and I, or they've read it th through and thought, yes, I'm experiencing a lot of these things. What can I do? So, yeah, that's that's what we start off with, Nick. Really, hearing at the inquiry service at, on that on our helpline. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a really difficult one, isn't it? So as you it say, it's, it's, yeah, it's not easy an easy no. thing to diagnose. Yeah. and then also there's so many other things that need to be ruled out as well. Like exactly. you say, like, yeah, it's not an easy not an easy thing no. to to kind of you know help someone yeah. with. I guess exactly. when you're in that situation. Yeah, yeah, it can be really difficult. Yeah, I think. I think if you're in any doubt, keep a little running symptom diary of everything that you have happening. And I think try to avoid Googling too much. I know we all do it. We start typing in things to Mr. Google. <laughs> um, no, no ad there, but, you know, we start yeah. Googling things in. Exactly. And it brings back, brings up all sorts of stories and, and concern for people. So keep a little running symptom diary, either on your phone or a written recorded diary when things are happening how long for, and what sort of things happening. And, and it could be anything, and I'm sure we're going to touch on that, Nick, but things like tingling sensations, um, weird sensations in the skin. You know, there's a lot of different MS symptoms. So, you know, it, it, it needs to be noted down and discussed with your GP. Yeah, that's, that's a really good strategy, isn't it? Having that diary. I've, I've heard you suggest that one quite exactly. a lot. Like that, we on do. the helpline, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Um, so next up, so yeah. it's probably not a, a shock for anyone, but the, the next thing that people have been asking about is is pain. Right. Um, and we know that that pain is such a huge and broad topic, isn't it? Because it could it be is. caused by um, symptoms, by linked to things like medication. Yeah. It could be you know neuropathic pain. Yeah. And what 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 kinds of things have people been getting in contact with you about? Yeah, absolutely. And I think also just to clarify, pain can be a tricky one because it's not, it's not always an ouch pain where you get pinched or hurt. It's any kind of form of pain, um, what we often call neuropathic pain. And it might be tingling, numbness, uh, stabbing sensations, electric shocks, um, pins and needles. Yep. And people ex start experiencing that, like you said, in, they might start feeling it in their hand or their foot. And it's obviously it's, it's worrying because you're thinking, where's this come from? What is it? What's going on? Um, and, and quite rightly, like you said, it's, you know, it, they're very common um, symptoms of people with MS and it's a very big area. So we have a pain management page on our website and we'd sort of suggest to people to try and explain the type of pain to their GP to explain what they're experiencing. But there are medications that the GP might offer them. Um, especially when you have an MS diagnosis, because a lot of the drugs are uh, pres through prescription only. So, um, but what I would say is with the, with the pain medications, they worked best with other techniques as well. 
So, for example, we suggest to people using heat packs and ice packs. Now, um, when we have that very hot summer, it's not always ideal to put a hot, hot water bottle on you. I'm not saying that, but um, it could be literally a hot water bottle. It could be a pack of peas wrapped in a tea towel to sort of relieve the, the, t- the sensations from hot to cold, hot to cold. Gentle stretching can sometimes help. Um, many people find that they really enjoy it and, and find it helps them yoga or Pilates or swimming. Um, of course, it does depend because some people might not be as mobile with their MS so because it affects people differently. So I think it's more about being aware of what you can do to help it because it's often managed with by medication, but as well as help it trying other things as well. So yeah, we hear from anybody really in general with Oh, it could be any any kind of numbness is a tricky one because you might not be able to feel properly to walk. Uh, so, for example, people we do hear from people where they find it easier to work bare, walk barefoot um, because that sensation of being able to feel the ground better can help. Um, not always easy when you're out and about. So, you know, if there's a particular shoe that you like that can help with the easing the numbness, that might help. Um, but definitely, you know, at home, um, not using... Where walking barefoot can help. Um, yeah, so, and, and also to maybe to contact uh, an occupational therapist because they can often help with things to help with, um, you know, for example, if numbness is affecting your hand, there's equipment that can help so that you can carry a, um, a hot drink. You know, when something's numb, it's very difficult to be able to um, feel properly. So it, it can be very difficult. So, yeah, so. Um, we hear all, all the time about pain. And obviously, the other kind of pain is musculoskeletal pain, whereby it affects, um, that could be affected by posture. So um, we've got a very good section on our website that um, talks all about posture and good posture when you're sleeping, when you're sitting, as I sit up, when, you, when you're sitting, <laughs> when, when you're sleeping, when you're sitting, um, posture can really help with musculoskeletal pain because sometimes um, that can be triggered if your if your posture's not quite right as well, um, and also just to add with pain, usually paracetamol or neurofen won't really help. Um, sometimes paracetamol can help people, but I would say with nerve pain, neuropathic pain, it's it's other treatments that you need to look into um, with your doctor or MS nurse um, that can help um rather than a, an anti-inflammatory because that won't really usually help with it okay wow so such a lot of very good information there Corinne. Oh, and when you started <laughs> talking about posture as well i started yes, to, 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 to i really up. Yeah. Oh, yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah as you say such such a huge topic it's it such is. a broad topic and so many different causes and, and treatments so yeah it's, it's um yeah a, a huge area Another thing um, people have been calling about is that time where either someone's going through the diagnosis period yeah. or someone's kind of leading up to that. So they've, they've maybe had an MRI scan, they're waiting for results. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what kind of things do people call about in, in regards to that? Yeah, it, that's, that's a really tricky one. And I think a lot of people contact us on the help line more about anxiety and feeling a bit what people can't describe as being in limbo land because you haven't yet got the official diagnosis, but you might still have symptoms carrying on. Um, so, you know, what I would suggest in that incidence is to keep contacting your GP to see if there's anything that they can prescribe to help you um, with, what, with what's, what you're experiencing. Um, because they can, you know, it's best not to suffer in silence. They can often prescribe medications to help. Um, also, yeah, like we've said before, just to keep writing down a diary of everything that's going on. Uh, but but it can feel a bit limbo land because you don't, for example, with the referral to an MS nurse, that usually comes once you've got a diagnosis. So it, it can feel a bit, people call us and they're they're a little bit concerned. They're a little bit stressed. They're a bit anxious as well. Um, and, you know, also mental health support, you know, the mental health side of things, it's that worry, all those big emotions that you're experiencing. Um, it, it's worrying, you know, it's a, it can be a very worrying time and, and feel like they're just not supported. Uh, but, you know, we just try to advise them that we, we're here on the helpline. We're, we're happy to talk about any, any um, issues, any worries, 
um, to talk about any questions they've got. Um, so, you know, we do get contacted. Even sometimes people contact us when they're facing a diagnosis very soon. They kind of know that they they might be expecting it that week. Um, wow. And and you know, and there's big emotions there that there can be. It's perfectly normal, is what I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, going through that that process, it must be. And you know, I'm not speaking from experience here, um, so I can I can only really imagine yeah. the level of, as you say, the the worry, the the uncertainness, the unpredictable nature of what might come next, and yeah, yeah, and you're waiting for that that call, and and actually, it's it's quite easy, I imagine, to to get into one of those situations where you're overthinking and as you yeah. say you're googling everything and you're exactly. thinking about every single yeah. outcome in so much detail that, that yeah that can sometimes um you know lead to more worry yeah, more it, yeah that's right more. yeah it can very yeah. easily that's that's so true yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah um next up corinne so equipment you've already mentioned a little bit about equipment which i was really interested in when you said that the equipment to help you hold uh, a hot drink yeah, yeah. that was really interesting but, of course yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 i think it's worth um uh, yeah nick i think it's worth people just sort of being aware that there are that there are options and sources of information out there which we're more than happy to signpost them to um for example, like everyday things like holding a hot drink or um, drinks, uh, cups with special um, straw in, all sorts of things. There's um, sources of information such as disabled living um, that, that can help um, either provide an, an OT assessment or you could give them a call and say what you're looking for. There are all kinds of sources of information to help with IT equipment as well. So, for example, um, if you're at if you're struggling to type or um, th there's different programs that can be helped or also another organization that we can, you know, we can suggest that we, that we are aware of. Uh, I don't know whether I should be plugging anybody, you know, not, not sort of saying things, but there's sources of information out there that can help so that you can carry on being able to go on your PC or uh, have things read to you or all sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. An OT is a good place to start to get a note, have an assessment by an OT. Okay, that's a really good place to start. But um, other sources of equipment, we can, you know, certainly give some guidance to uh, if you give us a call on our helpline. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess when, when you know, when you mention equipment, my mind, and I don't know if other people do this as well, just kind of immediately go to those, you know, very sort of larger mobility aids. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rather than some, you know, yeah. some of those things that you were talking about, the, the you know, drinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cutlery, that kind yeah. of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So there must be so many different resources out That's there. That's it. That equipment yeah. to help in the um, can openers, different things, um, gadgets and things that can help um, around the house. And of, co of course, you've got, you know, you've got your um, OT assessment where they can suggest grab rails in certain places around your home. Um, like you say, you, you automatically think of the bigger devices like rollers. Trekking poles, walking sticks, canes, that kind of thing. But there are smaller things that can make life a little bit easier. Because uh, I think sometimes I try to say to people with it, um, when I speak to people with MS, to, to, to not give up, but to try and think of a different way around it. <laughs> it's about trying to have a, have a different uh, mindset and thought process to think, oh, how can I do this? And, and that there, sh there are devices that can help without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is that thing, isn't it? Of, you know, not suffering in silence of actually yeah. thinking yeah. actually this this is something I'm finding quite tricky. This yeah. this thing yeah. around the house, whether it's opening the can or yeah. or you know getting it, whatever it is, yeah. actually there there might be something out there that's just going to alleviate that and, exactly. and and just lift that worry as well. So yeah, yeah, amazing. And um, Corinne, also people, we've talked a little bit, and I think you. You you mentioned a little bit there about sort of numbness and different yeah. sensations, but often people are calling about what we would call yeah. altered sensations. Yeah, but you know these things that the tingling, the yeah. burning, the the kind of water dripping down yeah. down you kind of sensations. And um, what what have people been asking about? Yeah, I think it's a tricky one because obviously, for example, if you you get like a really burning sensation down your leg or something. You know, it's got to have come from somewhere, and and you're it, it it could be very worrying. 
people can call us and say, you know, they're really concerned. This is where's this come from? Uh, particularly numbness creeping over the body that, you know, it's really frightening. Um, some people, you know, we, we advise when we hear from people that they, they might possibly go to A&E to get checked out if they're concerned, um, because there is that risk of, you know, strokes that can, um, some sensations or, um, certainly not having feeling in things, it, it can feel frightening. So, you know, don't, like we were saying, don't suffer in silence. Um, you know, even if it's just to get checked out as another particular nerve pain sensation that we, we hear a lot about is the MS hug with that. And we've had that quite a bit recently. It's a sort of tight banding girdling sensation around the middle and it can be in the intercostal muscles. So it can feel quite scary to be experiencing. And, and some people think, oh gosh, you know, could be having a heart attack here. So, uh, again, don't suffer in silence. If you're really concerned, take yourself to A&E, um, try to get to A&E and just get checked out, just to check. Um, but it, it can be any of those sensations and, and they're, they're, they're frightening. It's what's going on here. Uh, it, it can be a sign of MS whereby the body's, the messages are getting rerouted around the body. So for example, itching is a really difficult one because some people might be experiencing a really bad itching sensation on their arm. And we hear that a lot um, or their leg. But there's no nap bite. There's no physical sign of a bite. Um, but it can feel like crawling or itching on the body. Sometimes topical gels can help and creams, but other times it, it, it has to be alleviated by um, possibly by a, a medication. Um, so, you know, that's something to, to look into um, and, and to keep inquiring about to say that, you know, if it's causing you problems, especially if it's causing you trouble with sleeping. Um, so, yeah, it it can be really frustrating for people. Um, but there is a whole range of different sensations and quite, you know, quite often people will Google and, and, and our page will pop up because it's all those sort of things that we've, um, that MS can, it can happen in MS. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure she won't mind me telling this story, but my, my yeah. wife, um, yeah. who lives with MS, I remember the first time she had MS hug. And it yeah. was really, it was, as you were saying, it's really, really distressing because, because it's that pain, um, in the chest yeah. or it just really just tight. below the chest. Yeah. And so you obviously immediately, you think this, this, you know, something that's yeah. really, really serious and you think, oh my goodness. And yes. yeah, it was, it was really, really distressing. So oh, yeah, oh, it, oh, it's, it's difficult one, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. And yeah. also probably what she found as well, it, it can sometimes come and go. It doesn't, yeah. as quick as it started, it might stop. So it's, yes, it, they, these sensations can be quite fleeting. Other times they can last for long periods. Um, so it's about finding ways to help manage it um, and, and, you know, and not get too distressed. And if you're really concerned, that's all right, get checked because it can really feel painful in the chest area. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. Next up. Corinne, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the top 10, yeah, we've yeah. got uh, <laughs> uh, people have been calling about MRI scans, people think yeah. you contact. Yeah. Um, I know certainly whenever we put anything up on our social media, there's yeah. lots of people who, who will engage with that and they'll say, yeah. you know, either they, you know, they might struggle with the noise, yeah. they might struggle with the claustrophobia. You have some people who say that they, they get in there and go for a kit. You know, in all kinds of different reactions to yeah. What do people sort of ask about? Yeah, yeah. No, good point. I, I mean, to be honest, we do see also through our inquiry service. I would just say, as well as the helpline through the phone, we also have the ability, the option to email to us. So we get emails in. Sometimes people will email their MRI results. Um, they might send pictures in, or they might want terms actually explained because the terminology can be quite difficult. So what we often suggest to people, we're not a medical service, okay? So um, we we can't translate uh, jargon or um, the terms, but we, we can certainly suggest things. Um, we can also, what we often suggest is to go back to the neurologist and ask them to explain if you're, if you're too stuck, you know, if there's, there's things that are really worrying in you. Because some of the words can be quite long um, when they're talking all about what's going on. You know, it, it, it's a huge area. Um, and 
you know, not not yeah, just not to worry too much. The actual um at the actual motion of having an MRI, it's not painful. It's just quite off-putting. The the noise is quite loud. So sometimes people we do hear from people where they're a little bit claustrophobic. They can they they're concerned they're gonna feel a little bit trapped in, but it, it it doesn't usually take too long and it's best to sort of just try to be re- as relaxed as you can um and yeah and the, and people are you know often concerned when they're going to hear back about the MRI as well um that can be a concern because because there are some wait times on the NHS as, as we all know so we do hear that quite a bit about the worry of not knowing what's happening and um as i said they're not painful and they're, they're there to check on your MS activity um, they're there to check on any signs of lesions. That's what they're looking for, either on the brain or the spinal cord. Okay. Yeah. Thanks so much, Corinne. Yeah. yeah. And it's all, it's yeah. all part, Nick, it's all part of the diagnostic process as well. Yeah. Um, when people are first diagnosed, to, to ha- it's one of the tests that's run. And also, it's, they're often um, taken during the, um, uh, to, to see on a, a person's course of their MS if they're, They've got more lesions happening, um, whether their MS has become more active. So it's a useful tool for neurologists to be able to work out what's going on, how active their MS is, yeah, and whether they have lesions or not in the very early stages. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, another thing, we we kind of talked about this a little yeah. bit earlier. You've mentioned it a few times, Corinne, but also another very popular thing that people have been wanting to know more about is fatigue fatigue management yeah you know how they can best live with fatigue and yeah. reduce fatigue so I wonder if you had any knowledge on that one yeah yeah no problem yeah fatigue is a really difficult one it's a huge area and obviously it affects all of us in and out in the whole of our um, everyday life you know it can affect people with MS at work um it can affect people if they're trying to do a few daily tasks like a little bit of housework or getting their shopping. Um, we try to suggest to people that there isn't a magic pill to help with fatigue. It, there's not just one thing that's going to cure it. What we try to suggest to people is about uh, looking into management techniques, like you said. Now, there's some really good suggestions on our website, um, on our fatigue page. Um, we suggest trying to do things when you've got the most energy. Okay. So if you know, for example, the morning is more, you're more productive, try to do your as much as you can in the morning um, and be gentle on yourself in the afternoon, but also not to beat yourself up if you can't get everything done. Um, It's a busy time of year. We're coming up to Christmas and people have lots of things going on. They're visiting family, friends, parties. Um, They're enjoying themselves, you know, Um, but, but, but that might, that one party might knock you out for a few days afterwards. Um, Let's be realistic. So I think it's just about trying to, Listen to your body and manage things the best you can uh, when you've got the most energy. Um, there's uh, some great resources on our website, I have to say, and and also the MS Society run a fat fatigue online management course as well. Um, so, you know, have a look at that. Do tap into your MS nurse as well because they've got their own experiences as well to be able to give you some options of, of what to do. But yeah, we we advise people when we on through inquiries, we really advise people just to be realistic about what you can achieve you know and be honest with your employer if it if it's causing you troubles at work which is I know one of the topics we're going to talk about um you know be honest and say that it's really affecting my work you know and just try to um let them be a bit more mindful of how it affects you because it's a difficult one fatigue and it's it's an overwhelming sense of tiredness that you know can be very difficult to deal with yeah yeah, I'm, I'm sure lots of people listening to this will, yeah. will really kind of identify that example you gave of the party yeah. and actually the knock-on effects that that has and, and actually the lead up to, to all of these things and then actually recovering and managing that and managing uh, as well as, as much of it is managing other people's expectations That's right. here as well. That's a really yeah. good point. Yeah, yeah. Because if you just have to say, look, I've got to go and sit down or I need a rest. Yeah. People have to listen to that. Family members, absolutely. Really important. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that thing, isn't it? It's not that, um, you know, you're, you're wanting to duck out. Is that actually yeah. you're listening to your body That's and right. actually got yeah. to the yeah. of the day where, you yeah. know, you need 
this is something you need to do for your health. And Absolutely. it's difficult to think about it in those terms, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And difficult because it's an invisible symptom. People yeah. can't see visibly unless your 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 mobility's um often worsen when you're really fatigued. Um, but it normally it's invisible. So nobody knows what you might be experiencing. And we hear that a lot on the inquiry line that, you know, they they fatigue can be a really big one to struggle with. And uh, yeah, managing expectations. Really, really good point, Nick. Yeah. I'm sure you're here as well in the group. Yeah. Absolutely. And and actually, you know, if you if you just think about it in terms of, you know, like health, you know, you wouldn't say yeah. to someone. You know, if someone had to had to go and have an, uh, you know, an inhaler yeah. or something for their asthma, you Absolutely. would say, "Oh, what are you doing that for?" You know, you just yeah, you just be part. Of, you know, it's just yeah, it's 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 yeah. As you say, it's because it's it's more of a, a hidden yeah. symptom, isn't it? But, exactly. But yeah, so it's yeah. about um, other people understanding yeah. as much as yes. possible as well, yeah. isn't it? So very yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned Corinne uh, work. So you did talk about the employer a little bit. So people yeah. also do contact us regularly yeah. through the helpline on their emails, struggle, struggles with work, worries about work and employment. Yeah. What, what, what are people kind of, what, what are those worries? What do they look like? Yeah. Yeah. I think again, mainly because we often signpost to it, to, uh, to it a lot, our working life page. Um, it can be found on the website, either under W for work or by typing in the little box in the top-hand corner, working life. Um, the reason I suggest that is because there's lots of um, other organisations that can help support you. For example, if you're battling with work um, for, with an employer that's questioning your sick leave or, you know, I, I have heard from people where they're using up their sick leave to go for, an, for, to go for appointments. They're using up their sick leave to go in for an infusion. Um, you know, they're, they're, um, sorry, they're, they're taking up their, totally got that wrong. They're, they're using their annual leave to do these things. When actually, you know, it, it's it, you're entitled to be able to go and have an appointment that you need uh, medical care for. So um, there's organisations out there. I don't mind if ACAS can give advice on sick pay, uh, you know, um, and as, as we talked about fatigue as well, fatigue can affect work quite heavily as well. So um, organisations like uh, ACAS can talk about um, sick pay, um, your your rights. Now, when you're diagnosed with MS, MS is a recognisable condition. So it's actually classed as a disability, which, you know, people don't always like the sound of that. And, and, and as a lot of the symptoms are invisible, you know, you might not physically have a stick or be in a wheelchair, but but you are classed as disabled. So you are covered by the Equality Act, okay, from point of diagnosis. So your employer is required to make reasonable adjustments, what we call reasonable adjustments. And we hear that a lot on the helpline. Um, big organisations, small companies, no matter where you work, you, are, um, you have to protect yourself and look after yourself. Now, this can be difficult because we do hear from people that are self-employed quite a bit. Right. So, and that can be difficult because if you don't work, you don't get paid. Yes. So, you know, yeah. so um, it's about trying to make those reasonable adjustments. You know, if you're at a desk, a good solid chair um, in, the, in the heat, a nice fan at your table to help cool you down. Um, really simple one that we suggest to people a lot. And they, they say, yeah, actually, I'm terrible for that. Not working through your lunch break, having a proper lunch break, eating food, um, keeping up your energy, uh, making sure you drink plenty of fluids as well. If you know, to because that fluids can help dehydration can add to fatigue as well. Um, it might be things like allowing you to have a parking space so that you can park a little bit closer so that you don't have as far to walk into your office or working from home a bit more, um, or allowing to travel at non really busy peak times when you're shoved. I remember commuting yeah. packed on a pack busy tube, <laughs> it was a nightmare. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So those kind of things. So it's about making your employer making reasonable adjustments, okay, um, and not to be afraid to look into them, to ask about them. Have a look at our page and give us a call if you've got any concerns, okay? Yeah, I, I wonder if people kind of listening to this as well, and and some people have been in some of those situations, like actually just having the validation of, yeah, you know, I've spoken to the MS Trust, who are specialists yeah. in 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 this area, yeah. and actually they've they were talking about reasonable adjustments and actually yeah. I that 
some of these, I might need to access some of these at my workplace Yeah, to your employer, having that conversation absolutely. and yeah, having that kind of backup yeah. almost, that, absolutely. That, you know, that, that there are these, yeah. these, yeah. these, there uh, resources that exactly. can help. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's that equality act from point of diagnosis, you're covered by that act. So they are required by law to make these adjustments for you, no matter what they are, um, you know. I think it's been coming up a bit more on the helpline where people want to reduce their hours, but actually when you're in a very busy office environment, it's very hard to reduce them. Yeah. And they're, and they're worried, to be honest, Nick, they're worried about reducing them and about having more work to do in the time that they do work. But I think it, it's um, a two-way conversation. Just got to keep talking to your employer, um, line manager, or um, you know, being as honest as you can and, and saying how... Because ultimately, you, you want to be productive when you are working. And if if you know that you're not so productive in the afternoon or there's times when you're worst by symptoms, you know, it's it's worth um, them knowing that. And, and then they'll get the best out of you. And, and it will give you the confidence to stay in work as well, which a lot of the time people want to stay in work. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think definitely things have changed a lot haven't they in they terms have. of yeah. in terms of employment and yeah. and uh, accessibility for more people but yeah. I, I still do I mean I'm not an expert in this area no. right yeah. so I'll just say that now yeah, no, but I feel like, like there's, there's yeah. there is still such a huge there is huge way to go isn't yeah. there you know there if is. you just look at how many workplaces that are not accessible for exactly. example for so many people exactly so, yeah accessibility is a big issue like you say yeah because it, you know, you might need access to be able to, um, as well as access in, in a wheelchair to be able to, you know, actually be able to go to different floors. And if, if that lift's not wide enough or, or if the doorways, are, it, this can be all kinds of restrictions, not, not restrictions, but, um, all kind of, kinds of, um, yeah. difficulties that people meet. Yeah. And, and they shouldn't have to No, you're right. Yeah. And before you've even started your work day, you have to yeah. go through all of these challenges. Exactly. Exactly. Or, you know, not having the reasonable adjustments, not yeah. having the, the, the right, you know, the right kind of, um, equipment, not having the, yeah. not having the right schedule. And yeah. actually, as you said, Corinne, it's going to benefit the, not only the person living with MS, but yeah. also the employer exactly. as well, long term. So, but it's so, it's such a minefield, isn't it? it Especially is. at the moment with, you know, rising cost of living exactly. and people are more worried about um, yeah. staying in work. And yes, being, able to, being able to support themselves and their yeah. families. And, yeah. Yeah. It's very, very difficult. It is. Yeah. Um, but, but, but also, and we, and you just touched on that, Nick, as well, about the idea, um, well, of benefits as well, because there are benefits that people with MS may be eligible for. So, you know, don't be afraid to give us a call and we can advise uh, on, I, w I wouldn't say, we're not benefit um, experts. So, our, we have information on our website about the different benefits and we would definitely signpost to resources to look into which benefits you might qualify for. Uh, we hear that a lot, don't we, on the group and about it. And, and, and there are benefits that people can claim that when, even when they're working. Uh, so, you know, that's, it's, it's good to raise that, especially in the difficult times that we're living in. It, it can be difficult. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Corinne, thank you so much. It's been really That's interesting right. kind of hearing <laughs> from you. And I guess yeah. we, we're hearing from, through you, we're hearing from the MS community. We're hearing yeah. about things that yeah. that people are, want to know about people, people, things that people are worrying about. And yeah. and actually, you know, you're talking to those people yeah. um, on the front line and, and, and you're getting those, those queries in. So yeah, yeah it's, it's been really interesting. I hope it's also been helpful for lots of people listening as well. So actually, yeah. you know, actually I had that, you know, I, I want to find out more about work and, and <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and, yeah. and there's yeah. some resources for them to do that. So thank you. That's okay. You're more than welcome. And, and if you've got any queries, we, you know, we'll, we're more than happy to have a chat. Um, we, you know, we won't, um, I'm sure it's been mentioned at the beginning that we, we're, we're here for people living with MS and, um, we, we can't advise, we're not medically trained, but we can certainly talk about things. Um, and we talk to lots of people with MS, absolutely. And family members, friends, family, colleagues as well. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Corinne. And uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. Now, if this was a commercial podcast, here is where there would be an advert. But 
as you know, we are a charity, so we don't do that. So instead, we'd like to take this opportunity to tell you all about our fantastic resources for people with MS. Our website's so a great place to start, so that's mstrust.org.uk. And on there, you're going to find lots of information and resources for anyone affected by MS. On there, you can find the A to Z of MS. So that's all kinds of different terminologies. So things like symptoms, treatments, other MS related subjects. You can go there and you can search for those specific terms. You can find out more there. If you can't find what you're looking for, you can always give our helpline a call or an email. You can call them on 0800-032-3839. And that's between Monday to Friday, apart from obviously UK bank holidays, between the hours of 9am to 5pm. Of course, you can drop us a message and, you know, we'll get back to you as soon as we can. If you don't want to use the phone, that's completely fine. Drop us an email on ask at mstrust.org.uk and someone will get back to you shortly. And welcome back. Thank you so much, Nick and Corin. Uh, that was interesting to hear. I, I love talking to uh, to Corin. She's such a lovely and warm person when it comes to answering questions. And I think, had I been in that situation when I was newly diagnosed and I talked to her, I think that would have uh, calmed me down uh, quite a bit as well. Um, I think i mean obviously they don't just do the telephone conversations and things but also answer things on on you know facebook and and all the other social media and uh, we found some interesting stats there that um since we've been on facebook that they've replied to over ten thousand uh, inquiries on there wow. it's a massive amount of, of work that they've been doing um i think it's yeah they're, they're amazing they're amazing part of the ms trust very proud and privileged to be working with them um, we have a new guest you might have seen, and you might have heard if you're just listening to it as well. Uh, and if you're a, a long-time listener or viewer of Breaking It Down, you might recognise her. It's uh, Dr. Claire Winchester, who is our Head of Information and Engagement here at the EMS Trust. Hello, it's lovely to be here again. <laughs> now, Claire, we've had a super busy year. And uh, there's lots of things that's been happening, not only in the world of MS with treatment and such, but technology has moved on quite a bit as well. Um, and I don't know about you, but if, for me, it definitely feels like uh, 2023 was the year where we started talking an awful lot about AI, uh, sometimes in a bit of scary fashion and in other times how it actually might be useful for people with MS. Um, what do you think? <laughs> what are your feelings oh, around AI? Yeah. I think it is really exciting. Uh, I can understand why people would be concerned. I think there's lots of benefits to be had from AI technology in healthcare generally. Um, but as with all things, I think we have to be really careful to manage the process and make sure we're not losing some really essential human aspects. So I think one of the places where people might see AI making a difference to their healthcare would be around radiography and around using computers, uh, AI to read things like MRI scans. Mm. And some evidence suggests that they, they can be more accurate than human radiographers, but I think there will still currently be a human looking at your scan, yeah. whether or not an AI um, cast, you know, and cast their eye over it first. But I think when it comes to that kind of pattern recognition, rec looking for really complicated, complex patterns in 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 big data sets, then that's where a computer can really have the edge on a human. The human will get there in the end, but the computer can do it so much faster, and that will really help in, with, in terms of getting your scan results back fast. And I think a lot of people would would recognise that. I don't think we're yet at the point though where AI can replace a human doctor or nurse in mm. terms of giving a really personal and holistic uh, care uh, yeah. experience. So, so. Uh, um, and I think one thing that we all, we've probably, many of us have had a go at sort of tapping in a few questions into one of the online um, AI uh, uh, packages to see what kind of response they come back with. And sometimes they can be very plausible and they can feel really uh, like they're giving you a sensible answer. And I think it's still a bit tricky, though, to notice when you're getting something that sounds plausible, but is actually full of, you know, logical holes and is completely wrong information yeah 
And as we have been talking about questions today, we thought we would actually do a little experiment here. So, you know, there, there's lots of different types of um, AIs and, and things out there. I mean, there's ChatGPT, there's BARD, there's, I mean, there, there seems to be a new one popping up all the time. Um, so um, if people with MS, they might be wanting to use these things. Um, and like Claire said, there might be some <laughs> some things to think about here. So let's let's do a test, shall we? Shall we see how how it goes? So we yeah yeah let's do that. So I've got a um, just an ordinary browser um, AI chat open, and I've tapped in what is the best treatment in MS to see what the uh, AI comes up with. And what it's doing, of course, is it is just searching the internet for, mm. for and it's looking on other web pages. Um, all over the world to find out what, what information that would be. And what they're coming back with, it takes a few seconds, but they're coming back with the best treatment for multiple sclerosis depends on the individual symptoms, the type of MS and the stage of the disease. Can't argue with that, so that seems mm -hmm. fine. There's currently no cure for MS, but there are treatments that can help control the condition and ease some of the symptoms. Again, yep, yeah, that's absolutely what we would argue as well and, and, and advise. Then here are some of the treatment options. Now, this is where it gets a bit weird because it's gone, the medications for MS are corticosteroids. Well, those are um, things like methylprednisolone, you know, steroids that you might take when you have an, um, uh, a relapse, perhaps. So, you know, that's reasonable. Interferon beta blockers like capaxone and teraflunamide can slow down degree, disease progression. Well, that sounds like gobbledygook to me. Mm. Interferon beta, absolutely. Some of the MS DMDs are based around, um, are versions of the interferon beta, which is a chemical that reduces inflammation in your body. But a beta blocker is something else again. Yeah. And I don't think capaxone and teraflunamide are related to the interferon betas. So I think that's a bit of garbage, and I don't think that would be a safe piece of advice to follow. Yeah. So um, would you recommend, Claire, someone who's looking into their, their medication for MS to, to take that advice? I really don't think that this is the right place to look for medication advice. Um, there's far too much um, else involved in terms mm. of uh, your uh, a prescribing doctor will need to know what other treatments you're taking, um, need to know about your um, other things about your health, um, lifestyle, well-being, age, um, whether you're planning a family, things like that. I mean, these are all things that they have to take into consideration when they decide what to prescribe. So just kind of going on, going online and asking a, asking an AI bot doesn't sound like a good idea. Um, the therapies that they suggest, well, they're you know reasonable physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech and physical therapy. So it's a bit repetitive, mm. um, and it makes them quite weird. You know, it says here that speech therapy is just training to improve speaking. Well, we know that speech and language therapy is much more than that, yeah. and it can be for things like swallowing and um, breath control mm. and getting a you know strong voice and things like that. So it's so much more than that. So it's quite limited. Um, so here's another thing. Let's have out something more about MS and lifestyle, and how mm -hmm. about should I tell my boss about my MS? Oh, that's okay. Does that sounds like all right. So I put that in, and it's told me that what it's searching for is should I tell my employer about my MS? So that's quite clever. It's worked out that boss means employer and it's looking for that. Um, but unfortunately, what it's listed here, it's listed the pros of disclosing MS, and it's talking about getting protection under laws which don't. Um, which don't apply to the UK. It's talking about uh, it's defaulting to an American legal position. Ah. So that's always something to bear in mind. Yeah. The response you're getting might not be appropriate for where you live in the world. Yeah. Um, one thing they do do um, on this particular uh, engine, which they might not do everywhere, is they have little um, little um, sort of footnotes to tell you where they've um, where they've got that information for. So you can go and follow up the web page where that came from. And you can, so you can do a little bit more research onwards. Okay. So some of these are from, yeah, they're very definitely from uh, US websites. Some of them are referencing our website. So they've got, they've definitely ref they've referenced the working life page on the MS Trust website when they're talking about workplace accommodation. So that's nice. They've kind of, yeah. That's nice of that. So if I want to say again, okay, let's, let's, it's all in the question when you're using yeah. one of these. So let's be a little bit more specific and say, I'm in the UK. What legal protections do I have at work if I have MS? 
be a bit more specific. So being a bit more specific mm -hmm. can really help with this. And the response we get back is quite reasonable. It talks about the Equality Act um, 2010, which classes is MS as a disability from the point of diagnosis. And it lists off some very reasonable things. And it talks about the disability law service provided by the MS Society, which is all great. And it links to the MS Society's webpage and the government webpage. So that's quite handy. Mm -hmm. So what else could we put a question in for? I think... Um, how about about symptoms or, or, or medicines? You know, what MS medicines are available on the NHS? Let's have a look and see what they say. This is interesting. So they talk, so the response that comes back and says, yes, there are on the NHS there are several medicines and treatments available for multiple sclerosis, which aim to help control the condition and ease some of the symptoms. Very, yeah, mm -hmm. no problem there. It talks about steroids to speed up recovery from a relapse. Absolutely. It talks about... Um, Amantadine for fatigue, and it does mention that it might only have a limited effect, so that's reasonable. And then it says that visual problems will normally get better on their own, which seems oh. a bit random. <laughs> like random um, it? it does mention the disease-modifying therapy, so, which is fair enough, but it doesn't go into any detail there. It just says mm. they will have a different combination of benefits and risks. So it is very, very general. Yeah. Um, and they do refer, which again, which is good, they do refer to more detailed information on the specific medicines and treatments refers to the NHS website, the MS Trust and the MS Society. So that's really nice to know. Mm. So they've got some trusted sources, I guess. Yeah, I think when they've been when they are transparent about that, when they are very explicit about what their sources are, where they've where they're taking this information from, then it is in a way just like using something like the Google, um, you know, just just searching. But I think you still have to maintain that um, little bit of scepticism about yeah. you know, just let's just check just because it's come back, you know, just because it's AI doesn't mean it's right. I've certainly tried things in the past and got the completely erroneous results where they i've they've i've asked you who what celebrities in the uk have got ms for example and it's come back with people that i did know about and people who have disclosed it and it's come back with completely different people as well so yes absolutely jack osborne we know mm. um we know he's, he's been very public about his 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 journey with ms um but then said stephen fry well I don't think Stephen Fry's ever said anything about MS at all. No. So well, I don't know where it got that from. So There's some secret knowledge. Yeah. I, it could be secret knowledge. It could be making it all up, though. So I wanted to be outing people who have no, no, it. no right. yeah. Let's just say that, yeah, we have no idea about no. Fry's health. So. No, exactly. But um, I, yeah. I, was, I was going to mention, I know one of the, sort of, one of the bigger large language models, mentioning no names, when you use the free version of it, I know that it's pulling data from from the web from uh, 2021. Um, I'm by no means an expert, but obviously things change, you know, mm, particularly yeah. with things like treatments for MS, you know, things are going to change within that, that window. So again, as you were saying, to, you know, to be skeptical of, of what you're reading, where Absolutely. you're getting your information from, actually that, that information could be quite far out of date particularly when it comes to some of those very time sensitive topics absolutely and if they're looking for their information on, on other web pages which they have not themselves been kept up to date then they're going to be doubly um doubly yeah, in problematic i think so yes if you can follow if you want to use these large language models use these ais as a way of navigating the internet there is a absolutely get it there is a bewildering variety of information sources out there but you do at some point have to decide who you're going to trust and um organizations like the nhs like the ms trust um like your own hospital or, or um or source you know those are things that you can have a really high degree of trust in whereas there will be some sources that you just would want to take with a pinch of salt or you might want to you know weigh in balance um accordingly um and i think probably the ai models have a bit of a um they're a little bit vulnerable to being um sort of biased by mm. um by popular sort of trending questions yeah. for example um so you might you might not get a response that's really evidence-based. You might just get a response that happens to be popular because lots of people have been talking about it, if you see what I mean. Yeah. 
I suppose you you need to approach it a little bit like you approach when you ask for advice or or help on social media because mm. you know you're going to get a lot of different opinions out there you're going to get everyone saying oh this worked for me and this is great and I don't take any drugs oh I take all the drugs you know there's always going to be a bit of variety there and you have to still go and find your trusted trusted resource where you actually get the proper information from rather than just trusting whoever because you don't know who you're talking to really yeah and i think that's a danger with these large language models is that they sound like a person mm -hmm. they sound like an authoritative calm respectable person who isn't going to mislead you yeah. but just because they're using just because they're giving their answer in a really nicely written understandable accessible way doesn't mean that the answer is true I think in many cases it's going to be helpful. In many cases it's going to help somebody to navigate around the, around different sources. But yeah, maintaining that, you know, who's telling me this? How do I know that they know anything about this at all? Uh, and who can I check it with? How can I check this information? I guess. So, and, I, and it might be worth thinking about the kinds of questions you're asking. Um, and being really specific with how you write them and maybe write them a few different ways to see if you get different answers when you put things in a different way uh, being specific about who you are i guess not in terms of giving away personal data but saying i live in britain i'm a woman what's the best thing here or i i'm a man in wales where can i find my ms nurse in fact that's quite a good that's, yeah that's, that's a good question that's it can i find an how can i find an ms nurse in wales and what do we get Oh, okay, this is nice. So to find an MS nurse in Wales, you can use the resources provided by the MS Trust. Ooh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they provide a map of MS services. It includes links to nurses around the UK. Well, there you go. So that's just helped somebody find yeah. our stuff faster. And that's lovely. You know, I'm mm -hmm. all about that. It's all about people finding that. So often our websites, our web pages are at the mercy of the big algorithms. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we might have the best information in the world, but if Google's decided it doesn't like it, then we yeah. don't see it. So this is nice because it's got there, it's got straight there. Mm -hmm. It's listed one of the Welsh health boards, but not any more of them. So I don't know, it's all very well if you're in Cardiff and Vale, but what about Anglesey? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's patchy. That's the other yeah. thing. You'll find the information is patchy. There'll be some probably some really good salient bits, but there'll be some very notable gaps. And if you're asking about a topic that you don't know all, the, all about, then you might not recognise where those gaps are. So it's sort of early days with AI, yes, there are some exciting things happening and there's, I guess there's still some scary things happening there, especially when it comes to misinformation. But it, yeah. could, could we say sort of proceed with caution? <laughs> I think so. And I think we'll certainly be looking at it from a point of view of content creation. Um, I don't think it's going to replace our writers, but I think in terms of helping us do things like generate transcripts and videos like this, quite quickly mm. um, when it comes that helps other people find the information and get the best out of it then that's really you know ai can be really helpful there for us but say it's not it's not going to replace a team just yet so don't don't worry no we're not going to be uh, having uh, ai's hosting this uh, podcast just yet I or are we have, have <laughs> i been an ai <laughs> all all this time. Time. yeah we just didn't know <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh yes well maybe we can just um yeah digitally generate you when uh and, and yeah so we can always have you on the podcast yeah and I, I think that's that's a good point to to end with so if you are looking for some advice some help around all things ms that sometimes having that that person to talk to that trusted source of information is so important so maybe moving away from the large language model, um, generative AI, you might want to talk to a person instead who does have that background, that valuable information, um, that research-based knowledge. So you can get in contact with our helpline. Um, so that's on 0800-032-3839. And that's between 9am to 5pm, Monday to Friday can of course drop us a message outside of those hours we'll get back to you as soon as we can you can also email the helpline as well so that's ask at mstrust.org.uk and also we'll have some new christmas opening times as well so if you make sure that you check our website check our social media channels over the holidays um, and you should be able to see when you can get in contact with us through there 
and uh, as Nick mentioned, you, we are on social media and, and you can ask questions and, and things there too. And there's a real person that, that will respond to it, not, 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 a, not a bot on those ones. And we are on Facebook, we got both a page and a group. Uh, we're on YouTube, we are on X, we are on TikTok and Instagram. And you can find this podcast on Spotify, Google and Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music. And this video is on YouTube. There's loads of videos from us on, on YouTube um, and you know I'm gonna since it's coming up to Christmas time I'm gonna be cheeky and ask that uh, if I could have one one list you know one thing on Santa's list there would be that maybe if you listen to this podcast and you like it please give us a, a, a review and share it with uh, your friends because we would love to reach some more people yeah no big thank you to everyone who's listened this year from all of us at the MS Trust we're all wishing you a very happy new year and happy holidays too. See you in January. Bye. Bye.